Job says, my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Is it good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands, and shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as man seeth? Are thy days as the days of man? Are thy years are thy years as man's days? That thou inquiredest after mine iniquities and searchest after my sin? Thou knowest that I am not wicked. And there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about. Yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay. And wilt thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. May God bless his word. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we are so grateful that we have the opportunity to count our blessings this week, and we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, Forgive us, Father, for forgetting things, and we will. Uh, Hopefully, Lord, you'll stir up our, our remembrances that we might truly attempt to give you the glory that is due to your name by remembering the manifold blessings. Father, even if we only thanked you for our salvation, um, that would be enough, Father, because that is the greatest gift that we will never be worthy of. And you've blessed us by saving our souls. And Father, I pray that you'd bless us tonight. Help us, Father, to understand thankfulness Help us to learn the lesson from this incredible man of God, Job. And we pray, Father, that we would learn the lesson of gratitude and thanksgiving and that we might express it and and live it out this week for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated. Go to Job chapter 10. Thank you for being here tonight. Now, if you were here this morning, you know that this is going to be a part two. We're going to pause our series on Jeremiah. Uh, Come back next Sunday night, Lord willing. Um, We are, my plan is to to continue in Jeremiah. We'll be in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10. And uh, we are going to talk about criticism. That's what Jeremiah did. He criticized the people of God. Because uh, and, and so, you've, have you ever heard of constructive criticism? Um, that's what Jeremiah did. Uh, he was not appreciated. And uh, so, anyway, that's next Sunday. We're, we're talking today uh, again, and I will say it again that we're not making an announcement. The title of the sermon is uh, "Thanksgiving Cancelled." And I, as I said this morning, that does not mean that we're canceling our service this Wednesday. We are having it. That's the title of the message, and I'm kind of going along with the theme of uh, our cancel culture. These last two years, we've had this shoved in our face, and it is just, it's distressing. 
Uh, I just heard, I just read in a news report that uh, I think it might be Wisconsin, some other state where a lady's membership was revoked from Planet Fitness because she complained that a transgender, a man was in the woman's locker room. And she was very uncomfortable about that. And she, she issued a complaint. And now, you know, I used to think it was a good thing that Planet Fitness is a judgment-free zone. Well, apparently, you know, they, they, she's judging, and so she was, she was, you know, kicked out. What has our country come to? Uh, and, and, you know, this whole, this whole cancel culture that, you know, there's certain people that have no voice anymore, removing statues. I still haven't gotten over the fact that we removed the statue of Kate Smith uh, because she sang a song back in the 1930s. Um, it's, just, it's just horrendous. So keeping that theme, uh, we're going to talk about canceling Thanksgiving because that's what many people do. Sometimes we even do it without even realizing it. We cancel. Uh, you know, the, we sang the song this morning, the first song. Uh, let me just read it to you because this is so true. This is so good. Count your many blessings. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. You've been there? You've been on, uh, you know, where you're like out on the sea and the, the, the waves are crashing. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged thinking all is lost. That's a context. What do you do then? What can help you? Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Second verse, are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? What's the solution? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. Really? Yeah. If you're thinking on the right things. And you start counting your blessings. Problem is, we count our curses. And we don't end up singing, do we? We end up, you know, doing the Gregorian chant. Oh, anyway. When you look at others with their lands and gold. We talked about comparing this morning. You know, look what they have. When you look at others with their lands and gold. Think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven, nor your home on high. What a, what a hymn. Last verse. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. That's what we need. And so, you may think you don't have any reason, you know, well, Oh, this is going to be a bad Thanksgiving because I don't have anything to be thankful for. And maybe it has been an unusually difficult year for you. Well, listen, I am, we, are going to, we are going to look tonight at the one person. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Elliot made a, sa- a statement in one of her writings. She's passed away. Well, that was weird. Did you hear that? No, probably feedback in my ears. She made a statement about, you know, what you think on. And then she said... If you don't meditate on the good things, the things, you you will have the worst, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And then a movie came out after, I believe it was after she passed away, called Alexander and the Worst, Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And I mentioned that, and it's actually not a recommended uh, movie. Unfortunately, there's there's a bad thing in there. And why do they have to put junk in movies today? You know, everything can be so good. It's a great premise. It's a very funny thing. 
But I love that phrase. And by the way, Alexander is not the one who had the worst, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Job fit that bill. Job had the worst, the most terrible, the most horrible, no good, very bad day. So if anybody has a reason to complain and not thank the Lord, it would be Job. And he struggled with understanding what was going on. Remember we talked about exegeting your circumstances. And he tried to do that. He could not figure out why was God allowing this. And he struggled. He fit the categories of, you know, count your many blessings. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. That was Job. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? That was Job. So amid the conflict, I mean, he was... He had a really, really bad day. And he struggled. But in the midst of it, he never lost sight of the goodness of God. In fact, it was his conviction, his steadfast assurance that God was good, that caused the dilemma. And it will in your life too. Sometimes God will allow things in your life that are not good immediately. And we'll start to wonder, this doesn't fit with God's character. But the Bible does not promise all things will be good for the person who loves the Lord. It says all things work together for good. So, we are going to talk about the man that had the worst day. And just to let you know, Job chapter 10. Let's look, I want to look at that one statement. And in verse 10, we just read chapter 10 rather. He shared his struggle. In fact, let's, you know what, keep your marker here in Job chapter 10. Let's go back to chapter 1. Let's talk about his very bad, horrible, no good, terrible, stinky, whatever, bad day. You know, really bad day. Job chapter 1. Beginning in verse 13. A day in the life of Job. A man who, verse 1 says, was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now, Job was not sinless, and it's not what this is saying, but he was a very godly man. So look what happened in verse 13. There was a day. (laughs) What an understatement. You ever have one of those days? There was a day. Oh my. This would change Job's life radically. Sometimes God allows His servants to have one of those days. And you and I, sometimes we know people that have had to go through what we would call the worst experience. You'll hear something, you'll say, well, wow, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to a parent, their child. I mean, there's so many different scenarios. Husband losing a wife, wife losing a husband. I mean... There's so many scenarios. And so you may have one of those days, that day. Well, Job had a day. Verse 13. There was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen was plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, They have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Wow, that is bad news. 
That would be enough to ruin anyone's day. Look how verse 16 starts. While he was yet speaking. Oh no. No, there can't be anything more. This is, this is going to take a while to sort through this. To understand his losses. And, and figure things out. Where do you go from here with such a, such a material devastation? Verse 16, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. This is where you say, What more could go wrong? You ever said that? <laughs> what else could happen? Maybe you and I don't want to say that. <laughs> because look at verse 17. While he was yet speaking. I'm smiling as I read it. And I'm like, what am I doing smiling when I'm reading this? This is so far removed. Job's been with the Lord. This is all, you know, spilt milk. Job, we know what happened. But folks, this is, this is devastating stuff. Verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels, and they carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. This is just, this is a really bad day. This is devastating. This is enough, enough to cause, you know, PS, PTSD. I mean, this is, this is just, this is horrible stuff right there. If that was all. He lost everything materially and the servants that faithfully served him. But so sadly, folks, the worst is yet to come. Verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. Uh, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You know, some material things are material things. You know, I, I've heard so many times where somebody lost their home and all their possessions in a fire. And I love when I hear the homeowner say, at least nobody died. At least my family's saved. That's what really matters. And I love hearing that because that's, I, I don't love when I hear about someone having a fire and losing all their possessions. But Job lost, folks, Job lost everything. This is his bad day. And by the way, it's not over yet. But one thing, and we right in the beginning of chapter 1, we see the behind the scenes stuff, which Job had no idea about. Boy, God is so good to give us a little bit of insight in that, isn't he? And don't ever forget, Paul communicated this truth in Ephesians 6. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. This is a spiritual battle. What's going on in the here and now, the things that we see, there is spiritual entities behind the scenes working in a mighty way, back here and today. Don't forget that. Job didn't know what it was. You know, Job was trying to figure it out over the next 30 chapters or so, 30 plus chapters. He's trying to figure it all out. 
And he could not exegete his circumstances. And he really struggled with that, as anyone would. But here's the key. Job, Job verse, chapter 1 and verse 20. Then Job arose and rent or tore his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. This is the most amazing thing. We get an insight on where he was at mentally. You know, we, I, I use the phrase headgear after a talk show guy in Philadelphia. And I love that phrase because a lot depends on your headgear. In other words, what, where's your mind at? What are you thinking about? Because that, uh, we learned at the men's conference, you know, uh, although he didn't use the word headgear, but uh, that's where the battle is, in your mind. So where was Job's mind? His response tells you where he was at. And it's, it's awe-inspiring. You and I need to sit at the feet of Job and learn. That's what we need to do. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord ta- has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you think Job said that smugly? Ah, you win some, you lose some. Absolutely not. You know that Job was devastated. And if you don't know, you just start reading the chapters ahead and you'll see he was devastated. This took an emotional toll on this man like you and I, we don't know. And then it said this, and we're going to, at the end of this message, we're going to wrap it up and see what happened at the end. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So up to this point, in all this stuff that happened, and by the way, this is where, keep in mind, what's Satan's goal? There is a Satan, by the way. In fact, there's so many people that don't believe Satan because they don't believe the book, because they don't believe Jesus, and uh, you know they, they think that the, there, there's no heaven and hell, or some think, okay, there's a heaven, no hell, Okay, there's God, but not the devil. And I don't want to tell you, Satan is very real. And if you don't believe he's real, you have been deceived by him. The God, small g, of this world. And remember, we learn, if you peel see, early, he had one goal with Job, before God. And, and when God's, you know, when they had this conversation in chapter 1, the devil approaches God, and uh, he was roaming to and fro throughout the whole earth. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, now I'm giving you a paraphrase, Satan said, the only reason Job serves you is because you've blessed him. You put this huge hedge of protection around him. I can't even touch him. And look at, look at him. He's, he's wealthy. He's got everything going for him. He's got the easy life. You take away all that and he's going to curse you to his face. That was Satan's number one goal. And by the way, that's his number one goal in your life too. He wants you to curse God. Has he succeeded? You who don't believe there is a devil? You who take pride in your atheism? Are you not cursing God? That's Satan's goal. And by the way, you know what happened later on. The next chapter, he lost his health. And, I think, and, then, and then finally... He did not lose his wife, but he lost the support of his wife because Satan whispered in her ears 
And then she repeated it to Job. Why don't you just... What, was, what did Satan whisper in, in Mrs. Job's ears? Mrs. Job. Jobetta? I don't know. What was her, you know, what was her name? <laughs> what did he whisper in her ears? The same thing she said to Job. Why don't you curse God and die? That's his plan. And you know, there's a lot of people today that are cursing God. One way or another. They may not acknowledge that, but they are just not happy. They're blaming God. They're mad. They're angry. And when they see other people being blessed, or even just being happy, uh, they, it, it, they are envious. <coughs> Let's go back to this morning and talk about envy for one minute as we consider Job. What is envy? <coughs> By the way, I have a potion in here that Kilsoon made. And it's like magic. You see sparkles coming up? It's ginger tea. Oh, just it just feels so good. Do you, I, I'm sorry. Okay, let's jump in. What does it mean, envy? Let's talk about envy again. <coughs> envy is pain or discontent, excited by the sight of another's success. You can't bear to see someone else doing well. With some degree of hatred... Or malice. And often or usually with a desire or an effort to depreciate the person. And with pleasure in seeing him depressed. By the way, you I've said this before, don't ever forget this. You learn a lot about someone by how they talk about other people. And there's some people, folks, that just glory when, when, when other people are struggling. And they'll say it, and it comes out. In their words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And you and I learn a lot about someone that way. So take note. And envy springs from pride, ambition, or love, mortified that another has obtained what one has a strong desire to possess. Uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary makes this distinction, because we saw this morning that the word envy, the Hebrew word in Proverbs that's translated envy, is also translated jealousy in several places because they have the same common root of sin. And, and Vine's Expository Dictionary made this distinction. When you and I desire to have what someone else has, that's jealousy. When you and I desire to deprive someone else of what they have, that's envy. So both of them are, both of them are heart problems, aren't they? And we... We, the person who is not able to, again, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those who weep, usually have a heart problem or a an eye problem. You know, not I hear, I hear that. You know, it's all about me. And there's some people that cannot, if they're having a bad day, they do not have the ability to express happiness for someone else. And if someone's having a good day, the self-centered person, um, they don't want anyone coming and complaining because they're riding a high. It's all about them. So again, tonight we're going to look at Job. He is exhibit A. He's the only exhibit. Because, and I, I said this this morning, that sometimes when people give thanks, 
there's always the possibility that someone will cancel it, or at least in their mind, by saying, well, that's easy for you to say. You ever have someone say that? You're given a blessing. Oh, that's easy for you to say. You thank God because, because you never lost a child. Well, I have. You, you thank God because you don't struggle financially. Well, I do. You thank God because you have a good marriage. Well, I don't. You thank God because you have friends. Well, I don't. You know, you know how it goes. It's, it's that envy. It's the canceling of thanksgiving. And that's why Job is so important. I have never heard anyone say, oh, I wish I had it like Job. No, what I hear people say is, oh, I feel like Job. Oh, I feel like Job. It's horrible. It's just, you don't know how bad I have it. We relate to Job as he had the worst, terrible, very bad day. So, obviously, you're not going to hear Job praising the Lord about anything, are you? No, you are. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Look at chapter 10 now, Job chapter 10. Now, now I, I already, we already read in the beginning of part of chapter 10. It wasn't that Job was like oblivious to his pain and just going around in this stupor of, I'm just so happy, nothing's going to get me down, just be happy, smile, you know. No, Job struggled. He struggled. My soul is weary of my life. And, and so he goes on for chapter after chapter, debating with his compadres, the peop, you know, these companions. And when it's all said and done, before we close tonight, God finally responds to Job. And by the way, somebody counted, and I, I shared this one time, that throughout the book, Job posed maybe like 52 questions, like dozens and dozens of questions to God, and got no reply. But then in the end, God did reply. And you know how many of those questions God answered? None. Instead, God had some questions of His own. And then God made a declaration about Job and what He'd been saying and about his friends and what they've been saying. But we'll look at that in a few minutes. Look at chapter 10 and verse 12. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. Folks, I submit to you that this testimony, now by this time, chapter 10, he, he was also, he had lost his health, and he lost the support of his wife, who just said, curse God and die. Now he's got his friends, quote-unquote, coming along and, and, and scrutinizing him. Like, Job, come on, fess it up. What would you do wrong? You had to do something wrong. Your heart's, you're not right with God. You, come on, repent. You know, get, get your heart right with God. You, you can't be right with God and have all these things wrong. You know, how would you like that on top of it all? And so, you know, he's struggling. But in verse 12, he still declares, God, you've granted me life and favor. Let's talk about favor for a minute. Favor is kind regards. It is um, a friendly disposition that God has blessed him. He's He's understanding and thinking back to all the blessings 
And he's realizing, God, you have been so good to me. And he's saying this in the midst of this major bad day, this trial. See, when most Christians, or when a lot of Christians, go through those difficult times, they're not counting their blessings. That's why they need that song. You know, that's why, because they're counting their challenges. They're counting everything that's going wrong. And by the way, that's, that's a human tendency. I find myself too. It's, so, it's, it's much easier to count your curses. Count your grievances. Count your frustrations. But let's remember the song, Count Your Blessings. Another part of the definition of favor is benevolence shown by word or deed. Remember, we need to communicate to God our thanksgiving for His kindness. Any act of grace or goodwill, and then listen to the dictionary definition of favor here, as distinguished. So this is favor. It is benevolence shown by word or deed. Any act of grace or goodwill as distinguished from acts of justice or remuneration. To pardon the guilty is a favor. To punish them is an act of justice. Keep that in mind. A favor is, is grace and mercy. It's not justice. To pardon the guilty is a favor. And Job said to the Lord, he said, Again, thou hast granted me life and favor. If you're a child of God, if you're born again, God, well, first of all, God has given you life. He's also given you eternal life and favor. What a blessing. Let's talk about Job's life. What did Job have? I want you to go back to chapter 1 of Job. Because he, you know, what was the favor that he's thinking of? Because he's, he's in between favors right now. You know, you got a sandwich with the, the bread, which is the bottom slice, is his first, first blessings. Then you got the second slice, which he doesn't know is coming. God's going to bless him again. Big time. But right now, he's, he's not experiencing those blessings. And he is acknowledging God's goodness. That is amazing. So look at, let's, let's go back to what were his previous blessings. Job chapter 1 and verse 2. <clears throat> and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Wow. Seven sons, three daughters. That man is blessed. Is he not? If God gives you one child, it's more than you deserve, more than I deserve. And God gave him ten. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses. That's a, a donkey that identifies as a female. Oh good, I was hoping you'd laugh at that. Uh, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men in the East. By the way, the, the, the Old Testament makes this distinction between male and female donkeys. And it even has in some places a list. Okay, these are the, the male donkeys and these are the female donkeys and how many of each. Why do they do that? And there's various reasons. Some people think it's because of the Hebrew and the, the genitive or the gender cases in the Hebrew. 
Uh, but most likely, from what I've read and understood, is because notice Job just had all female donkeys. And apparently, back in those times, donkeys were cheaper than horses and about as cheap as, as, as camels, and they were very good at carrying loads. Male and female donkeys. But the female donkeys could not only carry loads at, for, for a cheap price, it didn't cost a lot to feed them, but they also provided milk for the travelers. And so that's why apparently, you know, she donkeys were very favored. And so Job had all these blessings. Now I want you to turn to Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. Job's trial is over. His trial is over. And in Job chapter 42 and verse 12, the Bible says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. You know, we... Every time Job is mentioned, most people over the last 30 years that have talked to me about Job always bring him up because of the hard, that bad day. And obviously it extended longer than that because he had that time of really just struggling and wondering what was going on. But it all took place because of the events of one day. And we don't realize, folks, that Job, for, for his whole childhood growing up, he was blessed. Then he had this major trial. But then look now what happened. Job 42 and verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep. You remember how many sheep he had before? 7,000. And 6,000 camels. Remember what he had before? 3,000. And 1,000 yoke of oxen. Remember how many he had before? 500. And a thousand she-asses, remember how many he had before? Five hundred. So, God doubled what Job had, didn't he? he? Am I doing the right math? It's doubled, right? He doubled it. He doubled it. Alright, so, we're going to go along those roads. If he had seven sons and three daughters, that means he's going to have 14 more sons and six more daughters, Right? But wait a minute, verse 13. He had also seven sons and three daughters. Well, that's not blessing him more. That's blessing him the same as far as children go. I think this is an, an incredible point right here. And we've, we've mentioned this before, but I hope you take note of this. It's interesting that God doubles his blessing on all the animals but he only gives him the same amount of children because, folks, your children will live forever. Children, though they had perished, though they had died. What a testimony, folks, that he still has. Those seven children are still living. They're, they're in eternity. We, were, we learned at the men's conference, as Pastor Griffith drives this point home, is that you and I, you know, we're going to have, so we're going we're to hopefully have our kids with us in heaven. We can't, 
And I'm not going to get into, you know, Trixie and Pixie and little Ginger and all your pets, you know. But I want you to think about this. God did bless Job doubly. Because those seven sons and three daughters, though they passed, they are still living souls for all eternity. Unlike animal life. And, and I cherish that, folks. I cherish that. Our kids, the greatest thing is to see our kids saved so that we can have them spend eternity with us. I'd like you to take your Bibles to, to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. You know, we just read in James chapter 42 that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Now in James chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible says, We count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. And, notice this, and you have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. God is very merciful. He has pity on us. And we see that. This is James' comment. This is written by inspiration of God, commentary on the book of Job, and the whole summary. You've seen the end of the Lord. That, and you've heard of the patience of Job. That, and you've seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. That is our God. Now I want to challenge you because as Thanksgiving comes up, in fact, let's close by turning to First, first Peter chapter 5. Because we didn't finish that second part of the verse in, in Job 10. Job chapter 10 and verse 12. Thou hast granted me life and favor. And then that last phrase, let me comment on it and we'll look at Second Peter. First Peter, excuse me. First Peter 5, 7. Job said in Job 10.12, Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. What does Job mean by thy visitation? He's talking about, that's a Hebrew term specifically speaking of God's providence or oversight. His involvement in our lives and in Job's life. And Job is saying that God's presence, God's providence, His constant care has guarded my life. That's the idea of what Job's saying. He's acknowledging, Lord, you've given me life. You've given me favor. And only because of you, your care of me has preserved my life. What an acknowledgement. In the midst, especially with where he's at. So listen, Thanksgiving's coming. People are going to be praising the Lord. And some of those people need to have the liberty to share things that you might not be able to relate to. In fact, it could be somewhat hurtful to you. I I shared this before, but I'm so conscious of it. And forgive me for repeating it, but this this is my biggest experience with this phenomenon. You all know that my wife and I are married for nine years. We wanted to have children. We, we were praying for children. One year goes by, two years goes by, three years goes by. We could not have children. Finally, after several years, she, she got pregnant, and then we lost that child. Nine years. 
And during that time, we, uh, because of that illustration I shared with you this morning about the person coming to the door and knocking and giving the money, which I'd heard before that, we understood that, that anything God gives us, if God were to give us a child, which He didn't owe us, then it would all be a blessing. And, and we just would thank the Lord. And every pregnancy we had, we got down with the pregnancy test, we kneeled down, we committed that child to the Lord. We said, Lord, if you want to take this child before it's born, whatever, it's your child. And so we had God's grace getting through it. And it never was an issue. It never was a problem. If, if we were at church and somebody stood up and they said, we, we're thank, thanking the Lord because we just had a baby. We weren't sitting in our chairs going, that's not fair. Why can't we have a baby? We didn't do that. But some people did. And I, I, my heart breaks for them. Uh, one gal in particular so struggled. I mean, it was such a stumbling block that I became aware of it when we eventually did have a child. <coughs> Thankfully, we were no longer at that, the setting of that church. Um, but I was still conscious of them. That if I was at that church, I couldn't stand up and say, we are praising the Lord because my wife's going to have a baby. Because that one person I knew, if they were in that room, I, I knew this would be a, a hurtful to them. So I want to challenge you, Christian, as, as people share this, this Thursday or this Wednesday and this, this Thanksgiving, don't interpret other people's blessings in light of your, depra- your deprivations. And, and when people are thankful for one thing or another that, that is just the opposite of what's going on in your life, folks, remember, just praise God for it and rejoice with them. Job, Job lost everything. And he was so blessed, he did not curse God. In fact, through the whole book, and I'll close with this, forget about First Peter too late. But in all this, at the very end, God stepped in and he talked to Job's friends. And he said, you have not spoken concerning me that which is right. You didn't represent me right. All those words, and there were a lot of words. By the way, remember, in the multitude of words, there wanteth or lacketh not sin. The more we speak, the more we get into trouble. And Job's friends are a perfect example. Blah, 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 blah. Job, what'd you do wrong, Job? Come on, search your heart, Job. Where's your sin? But when Job spoke, and he spoke, some, he, was, he was struggling. But when he talked about God, and this again, this is what God said to Job's friends, you have not spoken concerning me the thing that is right, as Job has. So Job may have not understood what was going on, but he still got it right about God. He was so convinced that God was good. And he stuck to that. So what's going on in your life? Your God is good. And if other people are being blessed in ways that you want to be blessed, just be patient. Remember the end of the Lord, that the Lord is long-suffering, merciful. He is good. And let's just be able this this week to just rejoice with those who rejoice. And be happy, folks. When other people are happy in areas that you haven't been blessed, be happy for them. It'll be a major, major success for you. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this great example of this man of God, the man that is perfect and upright, Lord, a man that you praised. Uh, Lord, he was a sinner. He had all the limitations that we have. He struggled uh, understanding what was going on and what you were doing. But he was so steadfast in his relationship with you and his in, in your goodness that he would not allow that to be rocked. And Father, I pray that you would help us as well to be so convinced of this quality that you've communicated and you've demonstrated to us. You are so good to us. And Lord, help us not to allow that gratitude to be canceled this week. And may, may no one else cancel it. And may it certainly not be canceled in our heart and our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's all.